the B2B Messaging Podcast by Winter. Welcome back to the B2B Messaging Podcast. Today, I have Elvis Greer, Head of Product Marketing at Skyflow. Elvis, thanks so much for being on today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. How did you end up in product marketing and why did you choose that path? Yeah, great question. So back in the day, I'll say when I became a product marketer, which was I think 20, 2013 was like the first time I had my product marketing job. And what happened was I did advertising sales before that. And anybody that doesn't know what that is, like you can look it up. It's basically, as you'd imagine, selling advertising on like media platforms. And actually my last gig in in that area was at Hulu. So I got in at Hulu very early. I got to work with some really, really amazing people. And one of those individuals actually kind of like mentored me and convinced me to go to business school. I hadn't really considered it at the time. But anyways, from that conversation, nine months later, I was going to business school. And in business school is the first time I really started to hear this you know, these words, product marketing. And fortunately I got a product marketing internship at Apple working on their Apple TV team. So that was really, and I actually got to launch Hulu plus on Apple TV. So that was, you know, kind of fortuitous, but that was my first foray into product marketing. I absolutely loved it. And so, you know, from there, you know, I basically kind of decided after business school, that's what I was going to do. And luckily I had a colleague and a classmate from, from business school who was working at Salesforce at the time. And she had an opening on her team and recommended that I, that I interview. And so I, I interviewed there. And, you know, when I asked around like the, the number one thing that kept coming up over and over again about Salesforce was like, if you want to work with some of the best B2B product marketers in the world, that's the place to go. So I felt very, very fortunate that I was introduced to Salesforce. I felt very fortunate that I was able to, you know, get a role there. And I spent four years at Salesforce and that's really, you know, kind of how I ended up in product marketing. And I, I bet, you know, as you listen to a lot of these stories, right, no one really has a, a truly traditional path into product marketing. So that's mine. With the understanding that you're at Skyflow now, how is messaging currently being done there? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and the caveat, right, is that messaging is done very, very differently at almost every organization I've ever been to. And of course, size matters hugely. And so I would say first that, that messaging is possibly the most collaborative output of any product marketer in my personal experience. Uh, first of all, everyone has an opinion because it's so visible and messaging is, you know, literally affects everybody at the company, right? Whether it's the strong messaging that's going to help you gain more customers to ensure everybody has a job next year when you're talking about a startup, but also it's, it's helping sales close more deals. It's helping the executive team tell a better story. It's helping customer success, you know, build better relationships with customers. And so at Skyflow specifically, and because I'm, you know, sort of the first head of product marketing there, they've had a product marketer there who, who's an amazing guy who's been there for a few years. And now I'm coming on board to sort of build the function. And so a lot of the work that I'm doing today is very foundational. And so for me, it's, you know, at the startup level, messaging is really in, in my, you know, in my opinion, it's how do you translate the vision of the founder in a way that clearly articulates like the vision as well as the value in, in the direction of the product so that everybody can benefit from that, right? Because early stage startups, a lot of the early selling is done by the founder and nobody, nobody can sell better than the founder. Not only do they have the founder title, so people are listening more intently, 
but they're telling the story and it's like, you know, it's their passion. So they're, they're telling the story over and over again. So the, the, the magic is, is like, how do you take that, that really nobody else can tell the story like the founder and how do you make that accessible to everybody? So for me, it's, it's really starting with a lot of conversations, a lot of like really deep dives. And I mean like several hours in a room, whiteboarding, understanding, why did you build the product? Who do you think our competition is? Who do you think like the best customers for our product are? And getting all those fundamental pieces together. And, and of course, a lot of that effort that I've taken on today has been heavily influenced by April Dunford in her book. And I'm sure anybody that's been in product marketing for a while knows that that really like since the 70s and 80s is like the, the next big step forward in positioning. And so a lot of the work that, that she has laid out in her book is something that I've adopted and it's a very grassroots way of understanding like, you know, all the things that I laid forward. And so once you kind of have those initial sort of pieces together, then it's really just building sort of like a framework and it's, it's answering very, very basic questions like, what do we do? Why are we different? Like who buys us? Why do they buy us? You know, those types of things. And then once you have sort of a few pages of that, it's really just going out and talking to sales. Hey, is this something that you think would resonate with the people you talk to every day? Talking to product, is this accurate, right? Someone like me who's coming into a very, very technical API-based product who's, who's new to the space, like I have to be very careful that what I'm saying is actually accurate and would resonate with a technical person, right? So, so my technical counterparts, especially at my, my current position, are very, very important stakeholders, whereas it might be less so at a much more what I would consider like a consumer-friendly B2B product, like a CRM product or a customer service product. And so in a nutshell, and you know, that's kind of like how I'm approaching messaging at Skyflow today. Who is the one at the company that comes up with the key messages that you want to send out to the market? Yeah, another really great question. And, and, and similarly, like well, my answer is gonna be one that's collaborative, right? So key messages, again, in my experience, can come from everywhere. It's, you know, it's product marketing who I would say like quote unquote owns messaging, which means like we're like the holders of the information and we're the arbiters of taking all these pieces and putting it together in something that's like centralized and very, very strong. But, you know, today like messaging comes from gong calls. Messaging comes from conversations I have with our customers or meeting a prospect for the first time. Like as a new, as a product marketer who is new to an organization, there's nothing more valuable to me than like going to conferences, right? Because that gives you an opportunity that shows you, first of all, just how really bad you are at articulating the message out of the gate, because people are constantly coming up to you and saying, you know, what does your company do? What does your product do? So you're constantly being tested. And as a new product marketer to a new market, I think that's really, really important because the only way you can really understand if your marketing is good or not, and I know we'll get into that, is really by testing it. But like, again, like I think as a product marketer, especially as a product marketing leader, you have to understand that messaging isn't something that, you know, where a product marketer takes all these inputs, goes into a dark room and just types away and then comes out with this magic. It's like, you have to be able to understand like, oh, I can really grab that. Or like the way that our founder articulated this specific point in a gong call, I'm gonna take that. And it really is like inspiration comes from everywhere, but I think it's product marketing's role to take that inspiration and form it into an output, as I mentioned before, that's very, very clear, very compelling. And the most important piece is very relevant and resonant with the audience that you're targeting, right? And so it's, it's funny because a lot of us will say like, would my grandma be willing to understand this messaging? And honestly, if your grandma doesn't buy the product, like it, it's kind of an irrelevant question, right? Like the most important question is, is somebody that's really interested 
in our product? Is, is somebody who has a problem that we know our product solves, is this going to resonate with them? Who is it at your company that takes the messaging then and turns it into website copy? Yeah, a great question and great caveat again, right? Because we're such a small team at Skyflow, it's really a cross-functional effort yet again, right? So I would say within the marketing organization, it's a most direct collaboration with our VP of marketing, who of course runs the whole team. We have a content person and product marketing. So when we distill all the messaging that's out there from various you know, conversations, like everything I basically laid out, once that's kind of set, then how do you take that and translate it to the website? That is definitely, you know, something that like in our case, product marketing takes much more ownership over. I would say at a larger organization such as Salesforce, you know, website was much more heavily driven by like demand and content. And then where marketing would have, or sorry, product marketing would have the most influence is really, of course, on those kind of like lower funnel pages, like the product pages where more technical explanation of the value is, is warranted. But I would say there, like, you know, for a Salesforce, like, of course, you're much more optimizing for, you know, speaking to very specific audiences. SEO, right, is a big thing at larger companies when most of the people know what you do. And you're really just trying to get, you know, you know, more ears listening to you and more eyeballs looking at you. But at a small company like Skyflow, where virtually nobody knows, relatively speaking, who we are, we just have to go out and, and make sure that what we're saying on our website is very, very clear and very accurate, as I mentioned before. And, and the only way to do that is by getting everyone involved. And then, you know, it's less about, hey, how do we like go from like third position to second position on Google? It's much more about are we sure if our buyer comes to our website, they're going to be really, really clear about what we do so that we don't lose them to somebody else? You started to talk a little bit about validation of your messaging. Let's go there a little bit. How do you know that your messaging is working? Yeah, I could probably write a book on this, but just because I have so much to say about it, not necessarily because the book would be valuable to other people, but but in all seriousness, like I think it's a very simple question. That it, I think it does have a very complicated or complex answer. And I think, again, talking about my specific role at a very, very small company, I think there's, you don't have access to as many tools and you certainly don't have access to an audience, right? I, I remember speaking to somebody long time ago who worked at, at Facebook and they literally told me like, they, they said they could launch a feature and in four minutes know if they were going to keep that feature or not. Just because when you have millions of people who are on the platform, like talk about messaging, right? If there's anything that's messaging, it's your product. And consumers have the benefit of millions of voices that are just like waiting to give you feedback. It's a little bit different when it's B2B. And of course, it's even more different when it's a startup. And I, I won't, I'll try not to get too lost in the weeds here, but the way I, I like to articulate how I know messages working is I have sort of this analogy that I use about expectations, right? So like whether it's the website, whether it's sales, selling your product or customer experience or customer success, supporting your product, like each of those levels sets its own sort of expectation with the customer, right? Like for a B2B company, when you come to a website site, that's usually the first significant place where you're setting expectations with a particular person that's on your website, right? Like either you do a really, really good job and they know, hey, not only I know what this product does, but it sounds like this product is for me versus like someone else. And then if it gets to sales, like you're setting a different level of expectations, right? And how I would best explain that is if you think about a consumer product, and I, I get a lot of inspiration from consumer products, like, so I'll take Apple. So from Apple's perspective, Apple 
is not just Apple a brand, right? Apple is technology, it's hardware, it's software, it's the Apple store, it's their customer service team, it's their website. But to a consumer, right? Like when we see Apple, like Apple's one thing. Like when I go to their website, that's part of the experience. When I go into the store, it's another part, right? Like, and again, I'm, I'm terrible at analogies, but if you go to Walmart, let's say you shop at Walmart and you go to Walmart and you have a terrible experience with the cashier, nobody says like, I'm still going to be a big fan of Walmart. I'm just never going to go talk to that cashier. I'm only going to go self-checkout now. No, if you have a bad customer experience, right? Like you're like, I'm not going to Walmart anymore. So it's like the, the point I'm trying to make is from the consumer perspective or the customer perspective, they view everything as like one thing. And so how do you line up like what you're seeing on the website with what sales is selling, with what the product does, with how customer success supports it? And so to, to get directly answer the question after that long analogy is what I like to say is like, it, look at Gong is such an amazing technology. I don't have stock in the company, but I am a huge advocate of that product. And why I like it is you can tell like, who are the people that sales is first talking to on discovery calls? And I've literally been able to tell like working at startups, like when you change the positioning or change the messaging, do you see more of the right people showing up that first meeting or do you see more of the wrong people? So for example, if like, if you're selling a customer service product and you have a bunch of hospital administrators asking for a demo request, the chances are you're doing a terrible job of messaging the value, right? So like number one, like, and this is a 30,000 foot view, you can tell your message is working over a relatively short period of time if you understand that the people that sales is talking to out of the gate are more and more of the right people, like you're getting the right people on that first call, that means you're doing a really good job of articulating your value as well as articulating who the value is geared towards, right? And of course, beyond that, there's much more traditional ways like you can test it live on sales calls, like I'll join sales and give a pitch. There's more formalized ways where you can do A-B testing, right? But I think for a startup, you don't have access to the volume that you need to be statistically significant. You don't really have the resources and the tooling to go out and say like, I have five different tools that will help me test. Obviously winter is such an amazing technology. Like the first time you really like anybody at any scale has access to that audience, which I think it's just like such a wonderful and such a practical yet powerful idea. Like we, we need more options like that to give people like Skyflow or people like me who are working from a very like small subset of, of a market to give us access to the feedback that we need to improve our messaging just as much as someone like Apple has access to millions and millions of people. What metrics allow you to measure that success and validation? Yeah, I would say similar, you know, to the question above, it's like validation to me needs to happen mostly before you even go live with messaging, right? I think the validation piece is is like you you want to do as little validation after the fact as possible. But I will say that messaging is never done, right? Like you're always validating. But I think you really need to do spend most of your time validating on the front end. And to do that, it's like you really just have to get out there, right? Like, and this kind of relates to like advice I give people, which I won't get into now about like what makes a good product marketer. But what I think makes a good product marketer is like you have to be attuned to the feedback that people are giving you and be able to turn that feedback into, you know, more powerful messaging, more powerful frameworks, et cetera. And so I think the validation really just comes from getting it out there. So messaging is never going to be done. Messaging is never going to be perfect. And so you have to take your, you know, your baby and you have to let people, you know, 
call it ugly every once in a while. Right. And so that's, I think to me at the very foundational level, like how you validate messaging is like, you have to let it loose. You have to get it out in the wild and you have to give it to people that have no incentive to, to make you feel good and give you real feedback on it and make sure again, the whole theme of this conversation is like, you have to make sure you're talking to the right people, the people that actually care about the messaging. So they're not just saying like, Oh, this sounds good, but they're like, this really resonates. Like that's to me, like this resonates is the best validation you could possibly get. Are there ongoing activities that help you to improve and optimize your messaging? I don't want to be too repetitive, but really it's just because messaging is never done. You should never stop talking to your customers. You should never stop talking to prospects and you should always be testing new messaging and always stay highly aware of what your competitors are saying. And as well as how the market is shifting, right? Like, it, like what your competitors are saying that they do is very, very important, right? It's almost more important than what they actually do, right? Because that's what people see is what they're saying on the website. They're saying at conferences, it's like, yeah, of course the product matters itself, but how do you bring people in the door? You actually give, you set the expectation with messaging. So I think th those are the ways that I would continue, you know, to optimize, to make sure that, that our messaging is relevant and timely because what works today if a competitor comes out with something that totally shifts the market, then it may not be so relevant anymore. And you need to kind of go with that and make sure that you're always up to speed on what's going on around you. How often do you make changes or update your messaging and positioning? Yeah, it, I think it's a very fluid answer. It's, it's like everything in product marketing, it depends, right? But I would say like quarterly is a good time to review like key messages of course, every time you launch a product that may only have an impact on that feature or product that you're releasing, but it also may give you the like permission or opportunity to talk about your product in a whole new way, right? Because sometimes products unlock completely new use cases or allow you to speak to completely different audiences. And in terms of positioning, like I think the very simple answer is like, just be a lot more careful with positioning, right? Because positioning isn't just writing, but I think I view positioning as like the house that all of the activities sit in, right? It's like, it's that little space in someone's mind that your brand like occupies, right? And so once you get into someone's mind, like once you say like, Hey, what do you think about Nike or Apple? Like whatever Apple or Nike do, like there's still going to be a perception that that inv individual has. And if you continue to play around with that, it's just going to create more confusion. So messaging, always improving, always looking at how we can make it better and more relevant. Positioning, I would just say be very, very careful. Positioning is is much closer, much more closely aligned, I think, with how we like think about brand in terms of like if you were changing your logo and your brand colors every every two weeks, like nobody's gonna know who you are. They're gonna be completely confused. And so that's I think, you know, hopefully that answers the question, but that's how I'd, I'd approach that. You've brought up some of your history. So taking it a little bit more personally is there a product or a specific launch or a company that you had the most fun working on messaging? Yeah, I would say, and this is probably not a surprise, like my last few months at Salesforce, I got to launch Salesforce Essentials. So Salesforce Essentials was exciting for a lot of reasons. But first, it was really, especially during my time, and I think for quite a while, the first time Salesforce launched a like an SMB specific product that was actually built natively on its platform. Of course, Salesforce has acquired lots of companies. Like my first job was desk.com, which was an SMB product, but an acquisition. But this was really something that they were building on the platform. 
And so not only was that significant in and of itself, but as part of the launch and owning that launch, I also got to own the activation at Dreamforce. So that meant, you know, of course, largest B2B SaaS conference in the world, really amazing platform as a product marketer. I got to own the keynote, getting the customers on board, doing those interviews, including a complete activation on, on one of our, our main floors. So that in and of itself was like this 4D experience. It was completely amazing. And why I think that was so much fun, aside from like the obvious reasons, was I wonder if I'll ever do anything at that scale again, right? Like when you, you, you know, when you work for Salesforce, like that's like one of the many benefits of working at a company like Salesforce is that the scale and the complexity and the sophistication of the things that you do are just literally unparalleled. And so I would say that is by far the best experience. And in the last, actually at the end of the day or in, at the end of the conference, I was even, you know, interviewed by our CEO. Like he just put his phone in my face and did a seven and a half minute live tweet, which was completely terrifying. But at the same time, it was like just such an amazing experience that probably won't be replicated for me again. And for all of those reasons, it was a really amazing time. You talked a little bit about becoming a good product marketer. To become great at crafting messaging, what do you think is needed? Yeah, I, it's a really great question. And and I would say I would say this. I would say to be great at messaging, of course, at the core, you have to be a good writer. Like you have to be able to put words together in a way that like almost immediately makes sense to people that are interested in your product, right? Unlike a book where you literally could have hundreds of pages to bring people in. And obviously a compelling book will bring you in much sooner than that. But the problem is with product marketing, there's so many different you know media that you have to attach your words to, whether it's website, whether it's a podcast or a webinar. I think you just have to be able to, number one, be able to context switch in terms of like, how do I say like the apple is red 20 different ways that's very specific and meaningful for 20 different media, right? And then I think even more important than that is, and I kind of made the joke about the ugly baby earlier, but I think to be a great product marketer and to be really good at messaging, you have to, first of all, understand as we, you and I spoke about earlier, you have to be willing to take a heck of a lot of feedback and a lot of feedback from people. Sometimes you'll think like, well, they don't know better than I do, but that's not the point, right? Like messaging is so subjective anyways. It's not scientific. It's really creativity. It's really resonating. It's clarity. And everybody has a different perception when they read things. So you have to be able to not only take that feedback and not take it personally, because I've seen, I've seen that literally, you know, ruin people in product marketing where they just can't handle all the feedback and it just like they get burned out, which is so unfortunate. But it's not only not getting burned out, not taking it personally, but you have to also be able to, in a very professional, in a very polite way, understand which feedback to accept and which feedback to reject, right? Like, of course, you're not doing that explicitly to the person's face, but, you know, it's amazing. Like a lot of people are actually quite terrible at giving feedback, right? We all know that. Like some people are really good at telling you what you did wrong, but they don't offer any options on what right looks like. But, you know, but honestly, in all seriousness, it's really like be able to take feedback. Don't take it personally. It's messaging. It's very subjective. Everyone has an opinion. No one understands the amount of work that goes into creating great messaging. And that's okay. Cause that's our job to do not to ask questions or, or, or feel slighted by people and then take that feedback because there's so much of it, understand which is the feedback that's not helpful to making this message stronger and which feedback is helpful and then go from there. So I'd say at the very core, 
that's what I, that's the advice I give to anybody that's looking to improve their messaging. Elvis, again, I appreciate you being on today. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? Any additional advice that's helped you throughout your career? Gosh, it's it's such a broad question. I would just say, like, for anyone that's interested in product marketing, it is such an amazing field. It's constantly growing. It's constantly evolving. Like the amount of attention that's on 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 this career path and this profession versus when I started is just absolutely phenomenal. And you know, for people that like the strategic as well as the tactical I, and and the collaboration, I could not think of a better thing to do. Like I really do love my job, and you know, and that's all I would say. Like people that are, in my opinion, that are really strong at product marketing that understand what great product marketing looks like understand that product marketers aren't the only people that are good product marketers. Like good product marketers can be a solution engineer, a salesperson, a customer success rep. Like you would be very, very surprised. So for those of you who are out there that are listening to this, that aren't a quote unquote product marketer today, but think you can do the things that we do, like go for it, have conversations, talk to people like me, listen to these podcasts and just really build those relationships so that your chances of getting into this profession are much easier. Because people, I can tell you, a lot of people out there that are hiring are not looking at it in a black and white way. They're looking just for really, really strong people that are willing to learn and grow. And so I think that would be my party message to the audience. Once again, Elvis Greer, Head of Product Marketing at Skyflow. Thanks so much for being on today. Thank you. Appreciate it. This is B2B Messaging Podcast. We'll see you next time.